Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We are saturated with messages that lead us to the pursuit of happiness, but often this is a journey that leads us to selfish ambition and envy. Join us as we continue our series in James, as faith leads us to trust God for all things in our lives. A five-year-old comes up to their parents. Yeah goes up to the dad. Dad, I'm hungry. Well, nice to meet you, hungry. My name is Dad. Dad, can I have a snack? No. Please, just some Teddy Grahams. You will ruin your dinner. You do not need Teddy Grahams right now. Please, please ask your mother. (laughs) That's what it always ends up with, right? No, just joking. This conversation happens in almost every one of our households on some level. It might not be for Teddy Grahams, but you understand what I mean by that, right? Kids have zero issue telling you when they are needing sustenance, when they are craving food. Now, we all understand, too, that that kids can have an appetite beyond what they actually need. But they have no problem communicating to their parents what their craving is in a moment. And of course, we parents like to play along because it happens so often. It's where, of course, the dad joke comes up, hi, hungry, my name is dad, right? We try to diffuse the situation a little bit. But kids have no filter in sharing what they might want, especially when it comes to food. Now... After communicating this, if they are really hungry, kids may actually act out because the hunger is causing them so much discomfort, right? And so they might go nag their sibling, or they might nag parents, or they might cry, or they might be grumpy, or might get angry, they might have a short fuse, right? And some of us adults are saying, I'm like that. I just don't bug everybody when I'm hungry. (laughs) Even as adults, we can actually act in ways to satisfy our craving. There's going to be a Snickers bar commercial tonight, isn't there? It's going to be about satisfying your craving tonight. Yeah, I know it's, it's coming. But we adults are not exempt from doing the same exact thing. We might not be as assertive and annoying about how hungry we are, But every single human is capable of acting in a way that is, quite frankly, unloving, wrong even, to get what they want. Every human is capable of allowing their craving, their desires, their ambitions to drive their actions, even if it costs themselves, or it costs a relationship, or costs somebody else's livelihood or reputation, or even somebody's life. We humans can allow ourselves to do terrible things to each other in the name of getting what we want, in in the name of satisfying our cravings. 
James is going to address craving, ambition, jealousy, or envy today. And if you're joining us for the first time, I always encourage you to go back. When you go through a a book of the Bible, you really do build on the different themes and things like that. You can always go back and listen or watch online in any kind of ways. But just to recap briefly, James is a book primarily about how faith is lived out practically. A faith in Jesus Christ means that in your life you believe, you speak, you act in a specific kind of way. And you don't believe, speak, and act in other ways. And for James, faith is this continuous going back to God for all things. He says this in a way in the very beginning of the letter. Faith is continuously going back to God and he provides you what you need in life for everything. Today is no different. But we might begin to wonder, does James speak well into our context? After all, James lived almost 2,000 years ago James was, as as traditionally we understand him to be the brother of Jesus, so therefore probably peasant class Jewish, very different than what you and I live in. Can he speak into our lives about ambition? Can he speak into our lives? Because we live in 21st century America very different space. And what we will discover today is that, believe it or not, cravings and desires and ambitions and jealousy haven't really changed. (laughs) But the struggle that we have, I think, today, maybe even more so than years ago, is how much ambition and selfishness is celebrated today and how much we can accept it as being a normal part of our lives, instead of living faithfully to the God who provides for us. So we will be in James chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Again, it will be up on the screen for you uh, if you do not have anything with you. Are you wise, are any of you wise in understanding? Show that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. However, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, then stop bragging and living in ways that deny the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, wisdom that comes from God. Instead, it is from the earth, natural and demonic. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and everything that is evil. What of the wisdom from above? First, it is pure, and then peaceful, gentle, obedient, filled with mercy and good actions, fair and genuine. And those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. What is the source of conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? 
You long for something that you do not have, so you commit murder. You are jealous for something you cannot get, so you struggle and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not have because you ask with evil intentions to waste it on your own cravings. And then if you skip down to verse 7, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Now before we dive into the difficulty of selfishness, ambition, and jealousy... That first verse is connected to another section, which is connected to another section. But that very first verse, show that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. When you think of wisdom, you think of something here that comes out of your brain, right? From experience. Wisdom is often good advice. It's often knowing what to do in a difficult time, right? And sometimes we only see it as an action of our thought process. It's the only the action of our intellectual capability. But what James does in this moment is continues his theme that if you are something within yourself, it will show on the outside. In other words, wisdom is shown by how you act. If you live a humble life, you show yourself to be wise. If you are wise, you will, show your, you will live a humble life. This is exactly back to the very first part of James's understanding that do not just be hearers of Jesus' words. Do not just be hearers of what he tells you to live. Actually do it. There is not a difference between our inner life in our outer life, how you act shows what you believe. What you believe will show in how you act. So that continues. And I think something that is really amazing about this is we deal with this tension so often because we will hear people or we ourselves will claim Christ, and yet our lives or their lives will not reflect it at all, especially when it comes to the words of James. That's because, quite frankly, I think too often, a lot of us believe in God, but we're not willing to accept all that God has for us. This is the tension. But then some people will just do all the right things thinking they believe in God and not believe in Him and do things. This is the tension that we live in. This is what we've been dealing with through this entire letter, right? But James tells us that it's not just doing the right thing and it's not just believing the right thing. It is all together. And what he shares is the life of wisdom that comes from God, that comes from above. Is described as being pure and peaceful and gentle and obedient, filled with mercy and good actions, fair and genuine. 
And these are the words I think that pretty much almost all of us hope to embody in our lives. And we try and we try and we try. But something is missing there. What are the things that get in our way? What are the ways, what are the pieces of life that get in our way of living out a genuine and peaceful and humble life? What gets in the way between us and everything that God has for us? And it's found in our cravings, our ambitions, our selfishness, our jealousy, our desire for Teddy Grahams before dinner. Ambition that is based on our selfishness. And envy, or our translation says jealousy, the desire to have something that you do not have, is something that every single human has. All of us have goals that we want to accomplish. All of us have things that we hope to attain. All of us have aspirations. But the problem of it, because ambition can be a really good thing. It can get you out of bed in the morning and cause you to, to be healthy and think. There's a, there's a lot of good that can come from ambition. But when it is angled in on our cravings and our selfishness, that is when it leads to distinct issues, not just for ourselves, but for those in our lives. James, being a first century Jew, understands this because all of the Old Testament has all these cautionary tales about how ambition and envy leads to destruction. I mean, envy is actually prohibited in the Ten Commandments, one of the defining laws of his life. If you go all the way back to Genesis, the very first murder recorded in Scripture, is because Cain is envious of Abel's acceptance by God. He has what I do not have, and therefore I will kill. But James being, it, it's, not, it, it's not just found within our Hebrew Scriptures that ambition and envy can be a negative thing. In fact, there are Greek writers in his day and age that did not even believe what James believed to share some of the same things. Think about this for a moment. Socrates once called envy the ulcer of the soul. Envy is the ulcer of the soul. Ulcer was a word on Wordle this past week, by the way. Only a few of you know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Envy is the ulcer of the soul. It eats away at our very being because we are not content with what we have. We see something else and we want it. And we might do something that would actually be against where our soul is to get it. Also, envy was described by Aristotle as a certain sorrow which is experienced because somebody has something that we do not. 
This is why James says, you long for something you don't have, so you commit murder. You are jealous for something that you cannot get, so you struggle and fight. Divisions come from our ambitions and our envy. It is not found as a wisdom from God. It is found in the wisdom of the demonic. Every intention turns into an action. Every intention turns into an action on some level. And so if we have envy or a selfish ambition that is driving us, it will ultimately lead to us doing something that is not loving of God or loving of others. Luke Timothy Johnson says that the, where envy ultimately leads. The logic of envy demands competition for scarce resources. It, the logic of envy, leads inevitably to social unrest, battles, and wars. Ultimately, envy leads to murder. I want this. I am willing to do what it takes, whether it means slandering somebody, stealing from somebody, killing somebody, lying about something. I will do what it takes to get what I want. Now, many of you are thinking, yeah, that's, that's very true. I don't think of it that way very often. And the reason why we don't think about it very way is because the way, particularly in our culture that people live is by ambition. It is by going after things that we do not have. It comes in the form of really, really good-sounding things like the pursuit of happiness. What is the pursuit of happiness? Well, you get to define what happiness is. And if you're defining what happiness is, it means that your cravings are the things that you will begin to pursue at whatever cost to other people. It doesn't have to just be possessions. It could be this status. It could be this job. It could be acceptance socially. It can be all of these different things, quite frankly, that we are insecure about. And we will latch onto it and do what it takes to get it. We lift up people. We lift up people in our culture who does what it takes to get what they want. The Super Bowl. <laughs> it's timely. Every single one of the athletes and coaches in tonight's game, this is it. This is what their entire lives have been ordered around to get a championship in the game of football. We celebrate it. Is that ambition terrible? At the end of the day, football is entertainment. <laughs> it's entertainment for us. But then at 
right alongside the precipice of ambition in the sport of football, we get commercials that cost millions of dollars for 30 seconds to sell you and me stuff that we don't have. Today is the best day for this sermon. <laughs> But it's not just sports. We have celebrities that we listen to. And they're, they're not just Hollywood folks. They're the people who we listen to for information and op-eds. They're politicians. They are people online, influencers. And yes, yeah, even sometimes Hollywood folks. Our culture celebrates ambitious people who have stuff that we don't. And we look up to them. And if, you, if, if, if something is, is going off in the back of your brain of another time where James is talking about different kinds of people, he says, hey, don't be looking up and celebrating those who have so much. In the kingdom, it is those who are poor that God has put in the highest place. But what we do is, when you, you and I are bombarded with a culture, when you and I are taught even, because let's be honest, we've been taught this, or we want to believe it, that the pursuit of happiness is our thing that we got going on for us. At some point, you will fall into a selfish, ambitious, envious trap to where you will forego loving God and loving your neighbor for yourself. Ryan Hansen says this, to crave and to seek to secure one's own goods and status at the expense of others is to live diametrically opposed to God's wisdom. It is devilish. It is disordered in every way and is not capable of producing God's righteousness. When you hear righteousness, remember it's right relationship. God gives us right relationship. What is that right relationship? Love. Love that does not seek one's own fulfillment seek one's own desires, one's own way, but rather is sacrificial for the betterment of the person we love or the people around us. That's what Jesus showed what love is. It is sacrifice for the betterment of our neighbor. And it comes at a cost to us. And this isn't just individual problems. You and I both know that ambition and selfishness translates to big situations in our world. We're hearing about Ukraine right now because Ukraine has an intense amount of resources capable of helping create weapons, capable of helping create electric, electronics. What are the most important things right now in the world? 
according to the economies that we live in. It's technology. Why is Apple valued at billions upon billions of dollars and yet our food companies are not? Do you see this? The entire world is ordered around this competition, this supply, this demand, this we need to go for resources. And it's why every war happens. It's why divisions happen within our culture. It's why families are breaking apart at the seams. Because at the end of the day, I need to either be right, I need to be fulfilled, I need to have what I want. And I'm willing to forego a loving relationship for it. Like so many of these passages, James spells out the sin really well. And you might think to yourself, how do I accept this wisdom from above? How do I live in the way that God wants to? And we get two verses <laughs> as opposed to 15 about ambition and selfishness and envy. But it's because it's simple. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. These two verses are a continuation of the belief that God is faithful and when you go to him, he will provide everything. He is generous. He gives plenty. And you can trust him beyond the own selfish impulse that we might have to take what we can when we can. To hurt others at the cost, or to, to achieve our own goals. In other words, friends, go to God in faith and he will provide. Does that mean that all of a sudden food will just drop on your table and you stop working? No. God actually built our lives to be productive people. But we work in a way, we live in a way, we spend our times in ways that are in worship to Him. And we go to Him for everything. We go to Him not only for how we forgive people in our relationships, not only how we love, but He even, he even has something for us in how we manage our resources and how we manage our houses and our jobs and our spaces. He is everything. And I think sometimes what we have done is we have just said, hey, go to God for forgiveness and salvation. God gives you way more than that. He gives you an entire life that is content where the desires to continuously go for the next thing 
are calmed. And he brings peace to us in a way that we can live lives of love and humility with each other. We're not seeking to win. We're not seeking the next thing. We are seeking him and him alone. A humble life is possible because God is a generous giver of good gifts. God's economy is one of abundance and sharing, not one of scarcity and securing for oneself. It's a lot different from competition. It's a lot different from supply and demand. It's a lot different from I need to do what I need to do. It's a lot different from do what makes you happy. It's a lot different from everything that is celebrated within our society. Because it foregoes all the stuff that we could have and recognizes that what we do have with God is enough. And that allows us to treat our neighbors with love, that allows us to be peacemakers in a world that is wholly violent and bent on getting resources for itself. It allows us to be joyful. Joy comes when we are thankful and content in what God has given us. And it doesn't mean that you can't go to God and say, hey God, I'm hungry. <laughs> go to Him when you feel hungry. Hey God, I am just so discontent because of all of this that's happening at my workspace. Go to God. He will show you what to do. God, I don't know what to do about this family member who believes ridiculous things about the world. Go to God. He will help you. God, I don't know how to forgive. Go to God. He will help you forgive. He is a generous giver of abundance and life. And as we receive, we give that abundance and life to all people around us. This is why Jesus so eloquently talked about what it means to be content and that God is faithful to us. This is in Matthew chapter 7. This is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm coming to the realization that James is literally a letter that spells out the Sermon on the Mount. It really does. This is Jesus' words. Not James now, Jesus. Ask and you will receive. Search and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. This isn't to get a Tesla. <laughs> this is to ask God for what you need to live faithfully and to love your neighbor. For everyone who asks receives, and whoever seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Who among you will give children a stone when they ask for bread? Or give them a snake when they ask for fish? 
if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, you should treat people in the same way that you want people to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. Will dad and mom give the five-year-old who is desiring Teddy Graham's food? Yes. Jesus taps into the instinct that you and I have for our children who cannot provide for themselves. You yourself will feed your kids at whatever you can, at whatever cost to yourself. Absolutely, you will do that. You know that feeling that you have to care for your kids? That's exactly what God has for you. It's exactly what has God for every single human in this world. And when we accept that, when we accept that love and that peace, you know what happens? We begin to love. We stop trying to go against our neighbor for the same thing. And we recognize, what do you need? I can help you. And I get it. Not The world will not necessarily come along. There are always going to be people bringing about their ambitions, leaning on their selfishness, working based on their envy that will cause injustice in this world. Don't let it affect you. Have faith in God. Trust Him. And as He leads you to be generous and abundant, to forsake those ways, He will provide. Lean on Him. For He is not a dad who tells their kids, well, hi, hungry, I'm dad. Can you get me some food? No, never. I'm not getting you any food. God's not like that, friends. He's good, and he's faithful. He is love, and he is everything that we need. So friends, may we let go of our ambition and our selfishness, May we not fall into the temptation of wanting things that we do not have at the cost of others. May we be content in the Lord and recognizing that He will provide all that we need for life. And may we actively bring about His love and His justice in the world by being as generous as He is to us. For this is the way that Jesus lived and died and resurrected. And so his church is called to be the same. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. 
For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.